Hello. How is everybody? It is so good to be back together again. I'm so glad you are here. Uh, I'm also glad of the, those who are watching, and I just, whoops, giving away my story here. Uh, we are in the third, third Sunday of Advent. It's hard to believe um, that we are in this far, but it's been a rough season of being here and then not being here, but we are back together, and I'm so glad for that. I do want to encourage you, if you haven't already, download our app and join us in our sermon notes. You'll find those under the Connect portion of our Sunday at St. John. Those have been updated. If you get in there and for some reason you don't see them that they've been updated, go back to your home screen, slide down, and refresh. Every now and then you got to do that to keep it, keep it real. So we're, today we're talking about leadership. And when we think about leadership, we think about probably the leaders in our lives. We've had some leaders who were great, who were admirable, who empowered us, who really helped us develop and move us along with progress. But we can also probably think about some of those not-so-good leaders, those who belittled or who were passive-aggressive or micromanaged or didn't micromanage. You know, we've all got these different styles, and so we can think about those tough leaders who we don't think of as so good. But leadership is something that we all seek more information about. You go into a bookstore, and there's hundreds of books on leadership. If you look for trainings and conferences and seminars, you're going to find unlimited options on how to be good leaders. Judah needed a leader, a good leader. Actually, Judah needed a lot of things. One of those things was the prophecy that Isaiah brought to them, a prophecy that needed to turn the people back to the covenantal relationship to God that God had intended for them, a relationship that would allow their lives to be blessings so they could bless others. What Judah needed was to stop choosing their sin and start choosing God to stop choosing their sin and start choosing God. And this was especially important for Judah because they were set to be exiled. So not only in that exile did Judah need to bring them this reminder of who they needed to serve, but he also had a twofold mission. He needed to show them and share with them that there was going to be restoration for those who needed comforting, who were fearful about this exile. But he also had to bring this judgment this judgment, this warning, this promise that if they didn't turn back to God, then it was not going to end well for them. And God needed them to hear that. But before Isaiah could proclaim this leader that was to come, before he could point people to where they needed to go, something had to happen first. Isaiah needed a little humble pie. You know how I love that humble pie. I don't like to eat it, but I like to talk about it. So I'm going to do that really quick about how Isaiah got some humble pie. So let's look at this scripture. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. However you want to put this, Isaiah was knocked off his high horse. He had a wake-up call. Isaiah needed to realize that he, too, was a part of the problem. That he had his own sin that he hadn't acknowledged. 
And in order for Isaiah to lead, he first had to surrender to God. He first had to choose God and to choose him wholeheartedly, recognizing that he couldn't proclaim God's truth until he realized how desperately he needed to hear God's truth. Isaiah had to look in the mirror to see that he needed God as much as the people who he was called to teach. Now, I am what some people would call a potterhead. For those of you who do not know what that means, that means I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. I love the movies. I love the books. Every time I watch or read, which if you ask my husband is a lot, I, I just feel nuances and themes of Christianity and God talking to me through those movies. There's so much in there about God's love for us. So if you've never watched them before, you should try them out. But in one of the movies, the second installment actually, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, Harry is going through this journey of discovering who he is. But in the midst of doing that, he's realizing that he has a lot of the same gifts as his enemy, Tom Riddle, a.k.a. Lord Voldemort. Now at the end, after he's defeated Abascalus, which is this crazy snake monster, and saves the day, as Harry Potter usually does, He's having this conversation with Albus Dumbledore, who is the wise, wise headmaster and professor at Hogwarts. And so they're having this conversation about how Harry is troubled because he and Voldemort have all of these things in common. And how at the beginning when the sorting hat chose for him to go into um, another house instead of the Slytherin house, which is the house of kind of the bad folks... He's like, I don't understand. That's where I should be. But why didn't I be, why wasn't I chosen to go into that house? And Dumbledore says, because you chose it. You chose a different house. And Dumbledore ends with, it is not our abilities that show what we truly are. It is our choices. Now, just as Isaiah did and as Harry did, we have to recognize that there are parts of ourselves that are dark, that are sinful, and that can be used for wrong. But once we recognize it, then we can also recognize that we have the power to choose a different path, power to use those things for good. I'm a big proponent of that whole name it and claim it and then we can proclaim it, right? This is what that is. When we recognize that we have this sin in our life, we can turn it over and choose God. And thank goodness Isaiah did that because we have this beautiful prophecy that points us to the best choice there is. A leader who brought leadership that changed this world, that changes us and will continue to shake and jolt the world. So let's look at our scripture from today. It's a long one, but it's a good one. Uh, from Isaiah 11, verses 1 through 10. A shoot shall come out from the stump of, stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins." 
The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp. And the weaned child shall put its hand over the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And on that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. Mm. Amen. Isaiah prophesies about this leader to come by using attributes that would have been expected of a king. But first... What he does is he points out the giver of those gifts. He points out the spirit. And I love that he does it even for the leader that is to come. Us knowing that that leader is Messiah and fully God. But he does it to assure us that this leader will be fully God and divine and fully blessed by God. The spirit shall rest on him. And other words that can be used here, shall empower him shall anoint him. Now, when we look at these abilities of the spirit of leader to come, we look at these abilities that a king would have. Okay, so the first one are the ruling abilities the spirit of wisdom and understanding, discerning, seeking the right answer, searching for truth, listening, but listening ultimately to that spirit of God that is empowering him. Taking the time to see things not at face value, but digging underneath the surface, holistically looking at each situation and not missing the forest for the trees. And we hear that in the scripture whenever it says, He will not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but seek deeply the guidance of God so that holistically decisions can be made and things understood. And then the second are the practical abilities. Counsel, might, power, follow-through, endurance, to see things through, to carry decisions to the end with confidence and grace. This is where the decisions are made. The course is set, and it's communicated out. The vision is given, and then it's acted out. It's acted upon and seen through to the very end, even though it's going to be hard and difficult. And then the spiritual abilities, fear, knowledge, obedience, knowledge that comes not only from knowing about, but a deep, deep knowledge that is found through experiencing and living in and spending time in deep relationship, intimate relationship with God. And this word for fear is really obedience, obeying God's commands for our life. Staying in God's will, knowing the right, sticking to the right, and delighting in it, even though the right thing isn't usually the easy thing. And it's not typically going to buy fame or friendship or fun. We are in the season of anticipating the celebration, the coming of this great leader, the Messiah, the one who came, who chose God's will. Every single day that he was here walking on this earth as fully human and fully God. In his humanity, he struggled 
with what he was feeling. He struggled with the anticipation of what he was going to have to do for this world. Don't you know that he wanted God to take that from him? But he chose God's will. He surrendered to God's will every single moment. And Jesus brought with him this leadership that Isaiah prophesied that he would. God kept his promise and delivered a leader who shows us how to lead today. But friends, there's something we have to do first before we can proclaim this truth and lead these lives in this truth. We have these abilities, these gifts, just as Harry did, just as Isaiah did. But we first have to recognize that we have a choice. A choice to serve those gifts. A choice to use those gifts serving our own desires and our own reasoning, our egos, or a choice to serve the giver of those gifts. We don't lead by leading. And when I say we, I mean Christians. We don't lead by leading. No, that's not, that's not what we're called to do. We lead by following. We lead by following the giver of those gifts, by surrendering, by humbling ourselves, by setting aside our stuff, dying to ourselves, and living in the Messiah, living in the hope and the affirmation that that Messiah came. We are celebrating that right now. He came and now we are living in the hope that he's going to come again. We look at this second piece of the prophecy, and there's another piece. There's another piece of that hope. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp. Can you imagine a kid playing with a venomous snake and us not caring? Can you imagine that freedom? The earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord. That is the second piece of this promise. That new creation will come. Creation that is perfect as it should be in harmony. But we still live today in that same world that Judah lived in. That was broken. That is evil. That is hard. And it's selfish. And it's sad. And there's a lot of struggle and hardship. Judah was full of people who were hopeless. And it feels like today we're living in a world that's pretty hopeless too. But we are called to follow Jesus who is hope. When we allow him to lead us, then we are guided by someone that is holy, loving, gracious, and true. Judah was putting their hope and allowing their truth to come from things that were wrong, that was leading him in the wrong direction. And I look at our world and I think, are we doing that too a little bit? I thank God that our hope isn't in government that for centuries has proven to be oppressive and abusive of power. I thank God that our truth doesn't come from the media that can be biased and partial. And thank God that our peace doesn't come from science that can sometimes feel elusive and imperfect. We look to live within and are empowered by the Holy Spirit to lead by following. And by doing so, choosing to set everything before him. We've heard this fact checker thing going around a lot. 
God is our fact checker. Are we in his will? Are we making choices that are going to glorify God? Are we making choices that are going to reflect that he is who we are living within and for? We are called to follow the Messiah's leadership of love, grace, hope, truth, and peace.